My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects podcast. Hello again, and welcome to the History of the Mormon Church and 50 Objects, Episode 4, Lost 116 Pages. One of my family's favorite movies is National Treasure. If you haven't seen it, it's a must. Despite Nicolas Cage's acting, I was entertained with the idea that there was a protected, hidden, historical treasure of priceless worth waiting to be found. I just love the part when they finally enter the treasure room and these historians start screaming out the priceless objects that they find. The only part of the movie I think that was missing was when Abigail Chase comes upon the lost scrolls of the Library of Alexandria. I was hoping she would look behind them and then scream even louder, the missing 116-page manuscript from the Mormon Church. Okay, so that's a bit much, but you get the idea. If someone were to find the missing pages today, it'd be a huge religious and historical American find. So let's discuss the details around those 116 pages and their role in the Mormon church. So as to not continually recreate the wheel here, I'm going to start referencing portions of previous podcasts. If you aren't familiar with the story of the translation of the gold plates, I'd recommend going back and listening to episode two, where I provide a high level overview of that process and how the initial 116 pages of manuscript were lost. Assuming you've done that, or you just don't care, let's continue. When I think of these 116 lost pages, the first question that pops into my mind is, why did Joseph Smith allow Martin Harris to take these 116 pages back to New York in a sort of show-and-tell sort of way? To understand that, we need to dig into Martin Harris's history with Joseph Smith just a bit. So in 1827, Martin Harris and his wife Lucy had built a very comfortable life in Palmyra, New York. Martin owned over 320 acres of successful farmland and often contracted with neighbors to help him work this land. One of those workers was a young, reliable teenage hand named Joseph Smith. Martin knew all the stories of Joseph Smith claiming to having seen God and Jesus Christ He also knew about the angel that was supposedly helping Joseph find gold plates. So it couldn't have come as a surprise to Martin when in September of that year, Joseph's mother came to Martin and his wife Lucy Harris to tell them that Joseph had finally got hold of the gold plates. Joseph's mother proceeded to tell them that because of their financial burdens, they couldn't afford to have the book published when the translation was completed. So Joseph's mother asked the Harrises to come and meet with Joseph Smith. Now, interestingly, Martin's wife first agreed to go meet with Joseph, but Martin had his doubts. Martin was kind of staying distant until he heard that Joseph's local neighbors were attempting to steal the plates from Joseph's home. Martin became moved by this, so he decided to donate $50, a lot of money at that time, to help Joseph and his wife Emma move to Harmony, Pennsylvania and into the home of Emma's parents to get away from the harassing neighbors. So this is where Martin starts to really get involved. After Martin gives Joseph the money, Martin starts to take an interest in this translation business, and his wife Lucy starts to distance herself from Joseph. Initial reports are that she's a bit perturbed by the fact that she can't actually see the plates. So a short time later, 
Martin, hoping to dig into the truthfulness of all of this uh, a bit more, approaches Joseph Smith and Harmony and offers to take some of these writings back to New York to have them inspected by experts in the city. If you'll remember the story, Martin delivered them to Charles Anthon, who after certifying their authenticity became miffed with their religious background and made the fateful, some say prophetic statement, that he couldn't read a sealed book. This seemed to be the jolt that Martin needed to fully commit to assisting in this work. So in the spring of 1828, Martin moves to Harmony and begins to act as scribe as Joseph translates the plates. Now, although the words are spilling forth from Joseph and the pages of translation are miraculously adding up, Martin seems to still have difficulty ignoring the people around him that are mocking him for assisting in this work. The story goes that Martin even goes so far as to replace Joseph's seer stone with another stone to see if Joseph would notice the difference. That day, Joseph was unable to translate, and upon discovering the replaced stone, asked Martin why he had done it, and Martin explained that he wanted to, quote, stop the mouths of fools who had told him that the prophet had learned all these sentences and was merely repeating them. So though Martin believes the work, he's still struggling with the doubts being heaped upon him by his wife and by his neighbors. Now, this is where things really start to get heavy for Martin. As he showed up in Harmony in spring of 1828, he's not home for the planting season. To his wife's frustration, he misses his daughter's wedding, and she begins to worry he's going to commit a large amount of money to this work. Side note, he will do just that in the upcoming years. So this is where his wife really starts to work on him that he's on a fool's errand, and Martin in turn starts to press Joseph about taking the manuscript back to New York to show the family. So here we are. Why did Joseph allow Martin to take the 116 pages? Well, Joseph obviously felt indebted to Martin. Martin paid for him to move to Harmony. Martin took the writings to New York. Martin sacrificed so much to act as scribe. To add to all of this, Joseph's wife Emma was due to deliver their first baby any day now. So I'm sure he felt a bit distracted, as well as maybe even thought a pause in the translation might lend him time to assist his wife. Whatever the reason, Joseph inquired the Lord a third time about Martin taking the manuscript and was told if Martin would covenant to only show them to his wife, parents, and some in-laws, it would be allowed. So Martin takes this precious manuscript and promptly shows it to almost anyone that will listen, and they disappear. So like we discussed in episode two, the angel Moroni then took the plates and the seer stone from Joseph for a period of time. But after a lot of repenting, he brought them back and recommitted Joseph to the translation work. Now, Joseph said he felt the Lord didn't want him to retranslate the 116 pages. Joseph felt inspired that the retranslation may have been contested by whomever had the 116 pages and that they would have altered them to hurt this work. So he and Oliver Cowdery take up where Martin and Joseph left off, and surprisingly, the Lord tells Joseph that he had planned for this, and that the plates contained an abridged portion that would tell the story from the point of view of the prophet Nephi. So the initial 116 pages were called the Book of Lehi, Nephi's father. 
So that's what he does. He finishes translating the plates with Oliver, then translates the book of Nephi to the book of Omni and places them where the book of Lehi originally was at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. So what happened to the 116 pages? Nobody knows for sure. It was rumored that Martin's wife Lucy took the manuscript and burned them in fear of the reprisals they would face if the book was printed and people knew of their involvement. However, it is reported that on her deathbed, she still denied having taken and destroyed the pages, so Martin came to believe her. Joseph believed that Martin, in his angst to show everyone the pages, was too open about where he had been stashing them, and so someone knew where to go to steal them. Whatever the case, Joseph blamed Martin for breaking the oath he'd made not to show them to those initial people. That summer, a large portion of Martin's crop was ruined in a dense fog. Joseph's mother said that they interpreted that as God's displeasure with Martin for losing the 116 pages. Now, Joseph Smith's father said people in New York were heard to quote portions of the manuscript later, so he believed they would one day be found and come to light. So what did the 116 pages contain? We can assume they covered the same time period as the initial books of the Book of Mormon, Nephi through Omni. We know that they went further than what we have now as the initial printer's manuscript in the Book of Mormon had Mosiah chapter 1 as Mosiah chapter 3. Oliver had to change that as apparently Joseph and Martin stopped at chapter 3. Now every book in the Book of Mormon is named after the author that writes it except the Book of Mosiah. It starts with King Benjamin. So we can assume that the missing two chapters probably explained what happened to Mosiah how they fled the Lamanites, and how Benjamin came to power. Outside of that, scholars are starting to recover letters, journals, and even some books that people uh, claim to have either read those pages or spoke to one of the smiths and wrote down what they heard the pages contained. Now, let's leave the realm of fact and speculate and guess a bit about what else may have been on the 116 pages. Scholars associated with the Joseph Smith papers say they've recovered records from an individual who claimed to have heard firsthand from Joseph Smith Sr. stories from the 116 pages, and he wrote them down. Now, I'm sure these pages will be published in the future, but they center on details around the fall of Zedekiah, Lehi's wanderings in the wilderness, and having a similar tabernacle of worship like Moses, they supposedly contain stories around what happened to the Liahona, a compass-like object given to Lehi from the Lord, and how the Nephites found Joseph Smith's future seer stones. Now again, this is a lot of guesswork, as nobody knows for sure. I think we'll continue to find more missing pieces to get a better idea of what was on those pages in the upcoming years. So, the 116 pages have intrigued Mormons and non-Mormons alike, ever since they were lost. People have even attempted to forge the 116 pages. One of the most accomplished forgers in history, Mark Hoffman, when arrested, was found to be working on a forgery of those 116 pages. So what did Joseph and the church learn from this? Joseph learned to be satisfied and to act upon the revelations that came from the Lord. In the upcoming years, he's really going to press some of his top leaders by asking them to leave their families, their work, and everything else to go forth on missions. Joseph would say he was commanded by the Lord to request this of them, even knowing the destitute situations some of them were in. 
Lastly, Joseph seemed to learn that this work was inspired, that despite his imperfections, God was going to see this accomplished. That commitment would then be instilled upon early members of the church and give them some of the strength that they'd need for the trials that were ahead. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on the lost 116 pages. If you have feedback, questions, or comments, you can reach out to me directly at Joe. H-O-M-C, History of Mormon Church at gmail.com. Also, a quick request on my part. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate me on iTunes. It goes a long way. Thanks again. <laughs>